Well, I'm excited. Every once in a while, when I preach, I get excited about the message that I feel like the Lord's put on my heart. And this is one of those, one of those messages. And it's entitled, Sometimes Grace Looks Different. Sometimes Grace Looks Different. Well, let's pray right now, and then we will get into it. <sighs> thank you, Father. <clears throat> Lord, I just thank you for all those who were just baptized, and I just thank you for the, the exciting adventure, adventures that they're going to have with you from now through the rest of their lives. And we just bless them, Father, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for what you're doing, what you have been doing in this service already, speaking to our hearts, encouraging us, blessing us, setting us free, healing emotionally and physically. And we look forward for more of that today, Father, physical and emotional healing. And we just give you permission to speak to our hearts, to encourage, to challenge, to motivate, to inspire, to convict us, Holy Spirit. We want all that you have for us, and our hearts are opening to hearing what you want to say to us this morning. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sometimes grace looks different. And if your name happens to be Grace, I know we have two people here, your name happens to Grace, I'm not talking about you, okay? <laughs> but sometimes grace looks different. You know, often grace looks different than what we think it will or should look like. And what I'm talking about, what do I mean by grace? I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 15, 10. It says, by the, but by the grace of God, this is Paul talking. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Talking about the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul was saying that I worked harder than all the other apostles, but it wasn't me, but it was the grace of God in me. So there was something working with inside Paul that gave him power and ability. And so my definition for grace is it's the desire and ability from God to do his will. So grace is the, the power and desire from God to do his will. Another definition is it's enablement or assistance for you to accomplish a specific mission or task that the Lord gives you or something that has been put in front of you. Sometimes the Lord gives you direct, a specific task or directly. He'll give you an assignment. And sometimes you're given an assignment, whether it's by other people, to serve them. But whatever task and assignment you find yourself um, needing to perform or do, God will provide grace for that. Gives you the ability, strength, the encouragement to do that. And that's what I want to talk about because a lot of times grace looks different than what we think. When we went on this trip recently, it's been a couple of weeks now, I, I guess, we went and climbed up Pikes Peak, and um, I was very excited about it, very excited, but this year I was excited to do it specifically because I wanted to climb Pikes Peak as a 50-year-old. And see, last year, I was 49.96 years old. That didn't count. And so, because uh, it was about a couple of weeks before my birthday, and I thought, you know, it'd be cool as a 50-year-old to be able to climb that thing. Now, that's not a big feat, because as, as we're climbing up Pikes Peak, you'll see 70-year-olds passing you saying, you're doing a good job, keep going, keep going, as they're passing you. So, so being 50 is not a big deal or a big accomplishment necessarily, but for me, 
I just wanted, it was something I wanted to be able to do. And I know Todd's already done it a few times in his 50s, so I want to be like Todd when I grow up. <laughs> so anyway, so I was excited about this, um, this opportunity. We, you know, we trained for it, Omid and, and the different leaders, um, Caleb and, and uh, Adam, were encouraging us, you know, to run, to exercise, to do stairs, and do all these things to get your body in shape to prepare for this, this daunting task. And so I was excited about doing this, and, and so we took off, went on this trail. And I was thinking it was going to be easier, actually, than it was last year. Because it's like, you know, I, got, I did this, I got it last year, it was good. So I was, I was excited and ready to, to blaze up that thing and, and even beat the time that I did last year. Well, a few hours into the trip, now I don't cuss, but I was a little bit tempted. I was like, what the heck am I doing on this thing? And I was struggling, and it was more difficult than I thought it would be. And I was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? I mean, there were times literally where I thought I wasn't going to make it. You know, I wanted to sit down and not get back up. And I was really struggling. And I remember three miles from the top, you'll see a sign that says, three miles from the top. And I think the sign's laughing at you, actually. I'm like, three more miles. And they're the most difficult miles on it because it's, it's, that's not me this time. It's not me this time. Three miles from the top, you know, you're at the place, it's a 13-mile trek, and you're going up to 14,100 feet. And when you're, thir- when you're 10 miles into it and only have three miles to go, you can't turn around, obviously. But at that point, I did not think I could make it. I didn't think I was going to make it the last three miles. And so I remember asking the Lord, it's like, God, I can't do this. I, you know, I really can't do this. And I asked him, I said, would you please give me supernatural strength to get to the next phase. And the next phase was the golden stairs. I didn't think I was going to make it to this. So I was like, God, God, just give me grace. Just give me grace. Just give me strength. And I was just wanting supernatural empowerment to get me to the next phase. And he told me, he said, do the breathing that you were taught last year. I said, forget the breathing. I want supernatural grace to get up this mountain. Forget all that stuff. And he said, do the breathing that you were taught last year. And so I did. I started breathing. Now, when you're, when you're up at that high altitude, breathing is a challenge. I mean, the oxygen is all different than it is down here, and, and that was a challenge. And we were taught to breathe. You know, you inhale through your nose and exhale and all that kind of thing. And I started doing that. I started doing that. And I kept focusing on the two guys that were in front of me, and I was just breathing just breathing and guess what I made it to the next to the next phase where I was hoping to get to that next phase I want a supernatural grace but he gave me grace it just looked different sometimes grace looks like wisdom or instruction that you received in the past to accomplish a current task and sometimes we want God to answer in a specific way and he is answering but we don't recognize it and so it's so important to recognize the grace that he makes available to us. And I almost missed it because I could have sat there and just thrown a fit and said, no, I'm not breathing. Give me strength to get up this mountain. <clears throat> you know, this, the current season of life that you are in could be just like climbing Pikes Peak. It can be exciting, exhilarating, or scary and difficult at the same time. You know, some of you may be going through some very challenging things. It can be scary. But on your journey, your Father is 
He is currently and will provide grace for you to make it. But it's important for you to recognize His grace so that you can embrace the very power that you need. You know, um, sometimes grace looks like someone handing you a stick or a tool and saying, here, use this. And when we were over halfway up the mountain, uh, some of the guys were smart, and they took climbing sticks or hiking sticks. And I don't know if you've seen those. They look almost like ski sticks, but they're, you'll see hikers using these two little sticks, and they're, they're using them as they, as they hike. And we found out that there's a purpose, actual purpose and scientific reason and benefit behind those sticks. And I intended to purchase me some sticks. And I remembered when we were in Colorado. I thought, I forgot to buy me some sticks. So then I thought, oh, well, probably don't need them anyway. They're not that big a deal. Well, we're hiking up the trail, and it's hard. I'm struggling. And, about, and it, was, it was over halfway, and uh, my hip was starting to burn. I mean, it was on fire. And so I'm, you know, kind of limping, and, <clears throat> and we're only halfway there. And then I remember Caleb, he realized that, man, these sticks make a difference. And so he said, I'm going to find you a stick. And later on he did. He said, here, use this. And you know, as I've been thinking about it after, so I used this stick and it got me all the way up and I brought it home because of what it means to me now. But I don't know, really, I don't know if I would have made it up without this. Because once I got this and started using it, I was able to put my weight on this instead of my, my left leg and then my hip was okay. And there were times when we had to climb up stuff and I was able to push up on the stick and I was able to do a lot of things that I don't know if I would have been able to do without this right here. So a brother simply saying, here, use this. Sometimes grace looks like a stick or a tool that God gives you through another person. We need to recognize it. And you know it was so cool because there's a verse that you might be familiar with. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So sometimes God will use a stick to bring comfort and grace into your life. Amen? Sometimes grace looks like a brother praying for you. You know, last year, you know, we've, been, we've had two trips so far, and, and there's a group of guys about to go out in a couple of weeks uh, up to Colorado. And so far on the two trips that we've had, there have been four people that didn't make it up the mountain for various reasons. Uh, some beyond their control, some choices were made and, and you know, hinder you and everything. But, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very challenging thing. It's not something we want to take for granted. <clears throat> Last year, some of the guys struggled because they started cramping up. Their legs started cramping up, and they weren't able to overcome that. And, man, your legs start cramping up on a, a mountain. That's, a, that's, that's bad news. So as we're hiking, all of a sudden, I felt my, my right thigh just begin to tighten up like that. And I thought, oh, no, this isn't good. And... Um, and I was telling, uh, Han was with me and, and uh, Adam was with me. And I said, oh my goodness, my leg is starting to tighten up. And Han just reached over and he put his hand on my leg and just began to pray for me. He prayed, I didn't ask him to, he just prayed for my leg. And from that point forward, I had no more problems with that leg. No cramping, no nothing. Sometimes grace looks like someone just reaching out and praying for you. And I was so grateful that that brother did because I'd probably still be sitting on that mountain crying. There were so many times I was tempted to call Chris Cangelosi and say, hey, you in that helicopter, come get me, bro. 
because I'm tired. Sometimes grace looks like two ladies yelling at you because you're about to go the wrong way. When we were up there this time, um, one thing we realized, so last year we went in July, and this group that's going in a couple of weeks, they get to go in July. See, the one thing about going in July versus June is in July you don't have to deal with the snow that we had to deal with in June. And we didn't realize, like, oh, no. And parts of the trail was covered. I mean, deeply covered with snow. And so we were, we were climbing up, and then all of a sudden the trail just disappears, and it's just this whole white expanse of snow. And it's like, oh, my, how in the world are we going to get through that? And we hear this yelling. We hear, you know, just these, these female voices just yelling. And we look up, and as two ladies, we met a group of people in bar camp that were from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like, woohoo, we love Oklahomans, yeah. And so we met these people, and we befriended, we became friends. And it, well, they, some of them were ahead of us. And they were yelling down at us, telling us, don't go that way. Don't go that way. You need to come up. There's a uh, different trail. You need to come up this way. And because we listened to them, they were yelling at us, they kept us from going all the way through that snow, which was pretty dangerous because it was pretty steep and deep. And, and some of the guys um, had a challenge. They were trying to go that way, and they had a hard time. And, and, you know, sometimes grace looks like people yelling at you to keep you from going the wrong way. And so I appreciate what those ladies were doing for us. Sometimes grace looks like a 20-year-old young man who has lots of energy, lots of joy. Kind of reminds me of the Energizer Bunny. But sometimes grace looks like a young man who's full of encouragement, joy, and enthusiasm, and he encourages you along the journey. You know, JoJo was with me. I don't know why. You know when you, you realize you made a mistake, you made, you made a choice out of insanity or something, you know, you weren't thinking? Because we were splitting up. We started out together. We ended up splitting up. We were with a group of guys, and then they said, hey, you guys could go ahead and go. And then JoJo said, hey, you want to go? I'm like, sure. And so we take off. And about five minutes into that, because he was moving, and about five minutes into that, I'm thinking, what the heck have I just done? Because to keep up with his pace was... Not wise on my part. But as we were going and we were having a great time and he was just full of life, full of encouragement, his stories he was sharing, you know, the adventures he'd been on. <clears throat> Listening to those stories was keeping me distracted from my pain and my agony as I'm climbing up that thing and I was just listening to him just tell all these, all these things. And then he said something. He said, hey, you know, I have a, you know, a long legs, I have a, a, a long gait, you know, a long strides. Ask my wife. She'll tell you, honey, slow down, please. But I was, I'd take long strides. And to keep up with him, I was taking long strides. And he stopped and he said, hey, you know, uh, if you take shorter strides, you'll burn less energy. And so I did, so I started taking shorter steps. And I discovered that I can go longer before taking breaks, just with that one little, one little uh, bit of information. So sometimes... Grace looks like someone coming along in your life and offering you encouragement and even little nuggets of wisdom. Now, I could have said, who do you, you know, dude, I'm over twice your age. Are you kidding me? You're going to tell me something? And sometimes we can reject wisdom even if it comes from a person that's younger than us. But we can choose to embrace that and make it to our destination. Amen. Amen. 
Sometimes grace looks like two brothers staying with me the whole way and who kept pushing and encouraging me all the way up the mountain. <clears throat> Later on, Joe took off and he, he went to catch. Did you ever catch those other guys? Did you catch them? Okay, he, went, uh, he was able to go on and, and Chuck and Adam stayed with me the whole time. Now I know that if they would not have stayed with me, I would not have made it up that mountain. Because, you know, sometimes you need someone else's voice in your head when your own voice is not encouraging you. Because my voice was saying, dude, I don't know what you were thinking being on this mountain. You're not going to make it. You're old. You're tired. <laughs> and I was tired. And, then, and the mistake I kept making was looking up at the top of the peak and getting discouraged. It's like, oh, my goodness, I'm never going to make it up there. And so when my voice in my head was discouraging me, the voice of two brothers was saying, CJ, you're doing a good job. You're doing great. You're going to make it. And I would sit down and say, okay, I got to take a break. So I'd sit down, take a break, and then Adam's like, all right, let's go. We got to keep going. I'm like, I want to keep taking a break. <laughs> so I would have sat down and stayed sitting down, but Adam's like, no, we got to go. We can't take long breaks because you'll wanna, you get up there and you, you can fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Your body just wants to shut down. And I remember sitting there and closing my eyes and falling asleep, almost, almost falling over because you're so exhausted. And so I appreciate those two brothers because they could have gone on. They could have gone on. Their, their um, pace was a lot faster than mine. They could have gone on, but they chose to stay with me and encourage me, and they enhel- enabled me to get up that mountain. So sometimes grace looks like two brothers staying with you the whole way and encouraging you along the way. And sometimes grace looks like making declarations. Sometimes grace looks like making declarations. When we were at bar camp, bar camp is about, I think it's either six or seven miles up the path. I can't remember. Is it six or seven? Seven miles? Seven miles into the path when you feel like you're going to die. All of a sudden there's this oasis of, oh, you know, there's a, there's a little restaurant. They serve coffee and, and hot chocolate and food and all that kind of stuff. And people camp out there. <clears throat> so it's like the halfway point where you can refresh, you know, do what you need to do, get more water, uh, refreshment, that kind of thing. And this is where we met those people from Tulsa. And we were talking to them, having a good time and everything. And then as we were about to leave, one lady walked right by me. And on her shoulder, I saw, I saw this, uh, I don't know what it was at first, and I, I looked closer, and it was a mosquito. It was a big one, about a five-inch wingspan. <laughs> you know, if, if you see squirrels flying and you think they're flying squirrels, they were being carried off by the mosquitoes. These suckers were big. I mean, big mosquitoes. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And I brushed it off of, her, off of her shoulder. And see, the interesting thing about that was I was under the impression that there were no mosquitoes in Colorado and there were no mosquitoes on that mountain because none of them were touching me. None. And so I was surprised to see that mosquito on that lady's, on that lady's shoulder. Growing up, from the whole time I can remember growing up, I've had a major challenge with mosquitoes. I mean, them biting me. They would bite me. I can be the only one. We can be outside and be a whole group of us people, and I'm the only one swatting, slapping, and all that kind of stuff. So to, to survive, I would have to put on some repellent, cover, drench myself in repellent. You know, I spray your arms, spray your neck, and rub it on your forehead and your, your neck and all that, put on your legs. And I would still get bitten through my clothes. Anybody ever have that happen? 
I mean, they would just, so if I didn't want to get bit, I'd have to just drench my whole self. And I hate it. I have a sensitive nose. I hate the smell of repellent. But to be able to exist outside, I had to put repellent on. Otherwise, I was a buffet for mosquitoes. And this is how it has been my whole life. My whole life that I can remember. And it, didn't, it dawned on me a couple of weeks ago when I was telling somebody this. That's why I didn't like outdoor activities. You know, growing up and even raising my kids, we didn't do a lot of camping, a lot of fishing. And I realized it was because of that very reason, mosquitoes. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. We can be sitting outside, a whole group of us, and I'm the only one getting bit. Give you an example. We were in Kenya years ago, and me and a, a friend were in Kenya, and we were out in the bush, and we were way out there in the bush. And we were sleeping in this... Um, this rock dome type thing. And it was totally, totally encased, so we were protected by stuff. And we had two sleeping bags, so me and this guy were sleeping in two sleeping bags, and we had one mosquito net over us, draped, uh, draped over us. So we were sharing a mosquito net. And it was hot inside that little dome where there was no breeze coming through. Now, he, he was sleeping in his jeans, and he took his shirt off. And I wanted to do the same thing, but I knew better. And so in the middle of the night, you know when you're sleeping, you hear that, you know, you hear that thing? Well, that's what I was hearing, and I'm swatting and slapping and getting bit on the head. And so now this guy is totally uncovered with his top, and I'm wrapped up in a sheet. And the only thing that's exposed is my face so I can breathe. It's not funny, Jim. <laughs> what, <laughs> you don't laugh at my pain, brother. When I woke up that morning, when I woke up that morning, Mike was totally untouched, and I had bites all over my forehead. And I said, man, the mosquitoes were horrible. Didn't you get bit? No, I didn't get bit. I'm like, what? And that's, that's how it's always been, just frustrating, discouraging, depressing. You know, you, you take a shower, and then you want to go outside, and it's like, oh, man, I got to spray. Oh, I just took a shower. I don't want to do that. So you try to go outside anyway, hoping the mosquitoes won't notice you out there, and they, they chew me up. Well, last year, it was around this time, because it was 4th of July, and we were outside popping fireworks and everything, and I can't remember who was with us, but it was me, my wife, and somebody, <coughs> and I'm like, these stupid mosquitoes. I had sprayed off on, but obviously I missed some spots, and they were, they were biting me. And then the lady said, you're getting bit? And I said, yeah, because nobody else was. And then my wife said, yeah, mosquitoes just love my husband. Now, she said what I had been saying my whole life. But when she said it, it sounded different. And I got angry. I'm like, you know what? I've been saying that my whole life. Mosquitoes just love me. I've been saying that. I've been declaring that. I've been agreeing with that. And the mosquitoes are like, thank you, CJ. Now all of you guys are laughing at my pain. <laughs> but there's a friend of mine that, that said, he, quote, he said this years ago. He said, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That's what Jesus said. Speak to the mountain. 
Sometimes the mountain can be as big as an ice storm. It can be as big as a tornado. Or it can be as big as a little old mosquito. Speak to the mountain. When Lisa said, mosquitoes just love my husband, and she was echoing what I'd been saying, I got angry because I realized what I have been allowing to happen for all these years, up to age 49. And then I began this, I, I got by myself that evening, and I began to talk to the mosquitoes. And I said, no more. I said, I'm off limits. You no longer like me. You no longer love me. You will no longer bite me. You can't stand my blood type. No more. Sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? That was a year ago. And since then, since that time, I've been up Pikes Peak, Pikes Peak twice. We camped out. You know, when we go on these trips to Pikes Peak, last year we camped out in tents. And we hang out around campfires. Perfect timing for me to get chewed up by mosquitoes. So I've done that twice. I went on a three-day camp out in the wilderness in Mexico with my son on a father-son camping trip. We stayed out in tents three days. Um, got to go and hang out with some friends the last Memorial weekend out at the lake. Was out there for five hours. Um, Pop fireworks, hung out outside. And in this year's time, I've used repellent zero times. <laughs> but here's the catch. I've only been bitten by a mosquito one time in the last year. One time. And here's when that one time happened. I was trying to remember, when did I get bit? When me and Benjamin went camping in Mexico with Bill... We're out there in the wilderness for three days, no mosquito repellent. We come back to the, the base where they live, and we're staying in a nice, cozy little home. I get bit by a mosquito. Because I was wondering, here's the ironic thing about that, I was wondering, there must not be any mosquitoes here in Mexico. Because I haven't been touched. And I think a mosquito said, yes, we are, we're here. And bam, he bit me right on the... <laughs> I said, oh, Okay. So in all this time, I've been bit by one mosquito. And here's the interesting thing. Last night, we were out at Boomer Blast watching the fireworks. That is the time when I definitely have to put on mosquito repellent. I didn't. And I, we, me and the mosquitoes had a conversation. And I'm sitting on a blanket out in the grass watching the fireworks, and I was hearing mosquitoes go by me. I didn't get touched one time. Not one time. So here's my point. Here's my question. What is the mosquito in your life that you are allowing to rob you, to harass you, to cripple your life, to cause you not to be able to do the things that God wants you to be able to do and enjoy? You know what breaks my heart when I hear people, when I hear people who have allergies so bad that they can't go out in the spring or, or certain seasons because... They just get pulverized by the pollen and that kind of thing. See, that's not God's design. That's not God's desire for you. 
But what happens is, is we get so used to things that we just tolerate or think, well, this is just the way it is. I did that for 49 years. This is just the way it is. He said, no more. No more. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. That includes mosquitoes. Some people have been battling mental illness for quite a while, or maybe you got diagnosed in the last couple of years. The doctors are saying you're bipolar or schizophrenic or whatever kind of situation going on. And I, I wish I, I thought of this testimony a, little, a short time ago, about an hour ago, and I don't know all the details. But I just vaguely remember a testimony of a man who had been on drugs. I mean, he was totally whacked out on drugs. Totally messed up. And it, it fried his brain. Then he became a Christian. He got saved. And I guess he used to be a very brilliant person, very smart, high IQ, but his brain was fried. And I don't know what happened. I believe he started making some declarations, started agreeing with what God said. I have the mind of Christ. And then his mind was totally restored. Totally restored. And the reason why I like that testimony is because he could think, or many people can think, well, that was his fault. Those drugs he took to fry his own brain, yeah, that was his fault. He deserved that. But look at how the mercy of God manifested in his body, even though it was his fault. So whether it's your fault, bad choices you've made, or maybe you didn't make any choices, and all of a sudden things started happening in your, in your mind, your brain, there is grace, there is provision available for you. Sometimes I think we just have to get fed up and begin to talk to the mosquito and say, no more. No more lunch buffet on me. Begin to talk to, make declarations concerning allergies, concerning sickness, concerning whatever it is. And I, I, you know, I make declarations concerning mosquitoes. There's other things. It's not just about mosquitoes. I think you understand that. But that was one thing that was plaguing my life that no longer has to and no longer does. And I just want to encourage you. That provision is for you too. You know, when you read that scripture in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 through and 24, it has your name attached to it. It has your name attached to it. So sometimes grace looks like making declarations. Amen? You know, and as I was sharing, when I was asking God, when I was three miles from the top, and I asked God, give me supernatural grace, and he said, do the breathing that you learned. And then he gave, you know, I, I recognized that as grace. After I was off that mountain, I realized that God was giving me grace through the whole trip all the way up, it, but it would look different than what I thought. The journey you're on now, the challenges you're going through, the season of life that you're in now, there is an abundance of grace. There is an abundance of grace, but you just have to make sure you're recognizing it. In Hebrews twelve fifteen, it says, See to it that no one falls short or misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defile many. If we resist the grace or we miss it or reject it, a lot of things can happen, come into our lives and cause destruction. You know, if, if, if bitterness, unforgiveness is a challenge that, that you're dealing with, 
there is grace available for you to be able to walk in complete forgiveness. And grace may look like you hearing the sermon of a young lady about three weeks ago or four weeks ago who taught on forgiveness. Kaylin shared a powerful message on forgiveness. God may release grace to you through that message if you choose to listen to it. So the Lord is wanting you today to recognize the grace that he's making available to you. So here's what I'd like you to do. Let's stand together. You know, on that trip, grace mostly looked like people. Grace mostly looked like people reaching out or helping me. If you do not allow relationships into your life that God is wanting to bring into your life, you're going to miss out on a lot of grace. You're going to miss out on a lot of grace. It's not about you being a lone ranger doing it on your own. God didn't call you to walk the path you're walking all by yourself. But he wants to bring brothers and sisters in your life to encourage you along the way. Grace will cause you to go further than you normally would be able to and enable you to do things that normally you wouldn't be able to. But grace will not take the journey for you. He will enable you, he will empower you, but he will not do it for you. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. He's not going to speak to the mountain for you. God, why aren't you doing something about these mosquitoes? I'm here in Africa. I'm on a mission trip serving you, and you're letting these things bite me? Come on, God, do something about these mosquitoes. He says, you speak to the mountain. These allergies are plaguing me. This sickness, whatever it is, has been plaguing me. He made provision. He wants you to grab a hold of it. What's been the grace in your life to help you along the way that you haven't recognized? Do you really think that your Heavenly Father has left you alone on that path to make that journey and figure it all out by yourself? Or is it more likely that you have been not recognizing the grace He has provided for you? Let's close our eyes for a second. And I want to ask and invite Holy Spirit to highlight in your thinking the grace that He's made available, whether it's two or three things, whether it's people, relationship, whether it's wisdom that your parent or your parents told you a long time ago, And the Lord's wanting to bring that to your remembrance and that wisdom is going to help you in your current circumstances. Or grace may mean God has been saying, I want you to go talk to this brother or this sister to get wisdom and counsel from them. But you've been resisting that. So Father, I ask that you would show us the grace. Highlight the grace that's already in our lives so that we can recognize it. I'm just going to give you a couple, couple moments to let him reveal that to you. And as he's showing you that, I'm hopeful that your conversation these next couple of days will be, okay, Father, what do I do with this grace? How do I apply it? And Father, I thank you for the grace you've made available for all of us. 
and we do choose to walk in the wisdom that you're giving us so that we can apply your grace to be able to run the race that you've placed before us. We know that we're not walking this journey alone, that you're right here with us. You never said you would never fail or forsake us. And you even send people along our path to help us and encourage us along the way. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I just speak your blessing on every person here, every family represented. I speak peace, freedom, joy, encouragement, wisdom. And I just thank you for your blessing on everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.